Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle-aged warriors, Chris Cimino and Rick Summers. All right. Hello again. Welcome back to Middle Age Warriors. Thank I hope you. everybody out there is doing well. Mr. Rick, are you doing well? I am doing well, Chris. Good. How are you today? Not bad. I mean, we're getting, <laughs> you wouldn't know we're it. getting old. No, besides that, uh, that's every day. But we're getting closer to spring, so I'm trying to be a little more optimistic in some regards, but yeah. you wouldn't know it by the current weather, but uh, warmer days are not too far away. And I we apologize hope. by saying we're here in New York, mm-hmm. so wherever you may be, the weather may be spring-like already well i don't apologize then to them yeah they had spring <laughs> screw that no. we're the ones stuck still freezing today's topic is something actually i mean it's you know it's a serious it's a serious topic it's a little heavy perhaps for some but it's something that as middle-aged warriors and then some uh it, it becomes a reality for many many well, people and that's the key word it's a reality mm-hmm. and it's a reality that a lot of people never anticipated it and that reality is? It's caregiving, being a caretaker for somebody, usually an, an elderly person, usually a parent or a grandparent, but not always. And, um, you know, there are different forms of caregiving, and it does evolve with time. But like you said, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you hear about it. We know it exists. We know situations unfold before people that put them in this position to have to be a caregiver. But right. until it's your reality, you really don't know what this is like. Yeah, and the amount, uh, it's, it's really, I'm thinking about a weather map. It's like, a, it's like looking at a, a radar and seeing the inside components of a tornado that get churned up inside you when you're a caregiver because, oh my goodness, you feel so many different things. Chris and I have both been there um, and uh, we know what it's like. Uh, but some of the things that you may feel are going to be very uncomfortable if you've never been put in this position before. Yeah, and it does pull you in a lot of different directions, too, and you find out things not only about yourself, but even the person you're taking care of. And then there's always that group of people on the outside looking in who like to pass judgment and and look at how you're handling the situation, and they're not really in it every day. And that was one of the more difficult things, at least for my personal experience. Right. Well, and that's the other thing is, is you have siblings. Uh, I have a sibling. And going through some of the caregiving process, uh, especially with uh, my wife and her family, you see that it always falls on one person, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Somebody drew the short straw. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it's kind of like whether it's circumstantial or not. I mean, ideally... You know, everybody says, well, we'll all do our share. Right. But you're absolutely right. If <laughs> what it's the, What the hell does that even mean? If it's two kids, three kids, four kids, generally speaking, one, one. of them gets gets the brunt. Yeah, and it's like a question in the family of who draws the short straw. And that's a terrible way to put it, but that's kind of what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, on most occasions, I think, you know, this it's a very challenging thing for the caregiver. I think there are some rare occasions sometimes where... Uh, relationships actually reconnect or or there's a there's a special bond that gets developed by becoming the caregiver or maybe an understanding between a parent and a child that they never even had before when they were a child now they're an adult and I think <clears throat> that opportunity comes from the caregiving side now suddenly they can connect a little bit better this is I'm gonna just kind of leap back to our show a couple of weeks ago on grief and loss because I wanted to ask you is 
the person who is in that primary caregiving position on a basis, did you feel a sense of relief when your wife finally passed? Um, and I mean, there are so many different emotions. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a point in that process when you realize, you know, this isn't going, you know, in my case, it was a spouse. Right. Usually when it's an elderly parent, you know, they're not going to suddenly reverse fields yeah. and get younger and better. <laughs> as, a, as a spouse and somebody who was dealing, you know, with, with a, a, a long battle with a disease and still always hoping because this was a young person, she was only in her early 50s, that she could come out of it. When you start to realize it's not going to happen and you're going to lose this person and you wonder, well, when is this going to end? Right. You know, every day goes by. It's the same thing. It is... It's tortuous. It really is on a lot of levels. And then you start to not like yourself for thinking For having things. those feelings. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and the guilt is horrific. And, oh, yeah. And you hate yourself. And then you go through this whole process and you have anger and you, you don't even know where to put it. You can't be angry at the person who's sick. It's not their fault. They don't want to be in that position. And then they go through things too. You know, right. there was an evolution in the process where at first, I think from her own anger in dealing with the cards that she had been dealt and didn't like them, obviously, and would like to have traded them in for another hand, I think her anger and her frustration was coming back at me, not on purpose, but indirectly. And it gets it gets very complicated. It, it is gets, extremely complicated. And it's, you know, uh, psychologists always describe your, your feelings and your emotions as like layers on an onion. Mm. And going through therapy is like peeling some of those yeah. layers back and... I can only imagine the layers that get peeled back going through what you went through. Well, you know, the point is, it's kind of, if you really stop and think about it, not to be so pessimistic, it's a lose-lose situation, right? Yeah. If you really think about it, because, you know, it, it's taking away so much. It's sucking so much emotion out of you, as well as you're watching another person's life being sucked out of them, and the end is the end. And to your point, yes, there is clearly a moment, there's, there's, there's that point of relief it's over and it's, it's over. So that process isn't going to happen anymore. That caregiving process. On the other hand, sometimes you feel like, um, I could have done better. I should have done better. I should have yeah. done this. I should, you know, but there's, you can, you can do hindsight forever with a lot of things in life. And certainly caregiving is one of them. Yeah. And I, I wonder what it's like for, for everybody who was on the front line or it's still on the front line going through the pandemic mm. and, you know, thinking about doctors and nurses and, assistance and whatnot and family members i wish i could have done more i wish i could do more sure well, you know there's a lot of stuff so we have a very special guest mm -hmm. who's going to be joining us in a few minutes her name is uh, suzanne white and uh suzanne started and we'll find out a little bit more about what the genesis of this was but she started a, a website for caregivers mm -hmm. um, and she's a warrior too because it's actually called caregiverwarriors.com yeah. yeah so she's we're like related we mm -hmm. have the same exactly. last name <laughs> I like that so we're going to talk with her and uh, get some of her thoughts and some of her insights on what it's like what she's gone through mm. and what you may be going through just to run through before we get to Suzanne, just to put it in perspective, some stats uh, that you had gathered for us. One in five adults are caregivers. Yeah. Uh, caregiving can be lengthy. Half have provided care for at least two years. It can be intense. 30% uh, provide at least 20 hours a week. 
four and five manage household tasks. The other half assist with personal care, like feeding and bathing and things of that nature. The statistic, women are bigger by number and also, quite frankly, and we'll talk to Suzanne about this, I think are better caregivers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you about my experience in a bit when we speak with her, but uh, 20% of the caregivers are 65 years old or older. Really? And 37% are caring for a parent, obviously, or a parent-in-law, and uh, nearly 10% are often providing care to someone with dementia, which is very, very difficult on top of everything else. And basically, they say here that one in six non-caregivers expect to become caregivers within the next couple of years. But like we had said earlier, you know, expecting, and then when you're in it in reality, it's, yeah. two, it's two different ball games. Yeah, absolutely indeed. is. So let's get to Suzanne. She's waiting patiently for us. Let's have, a, let's have a real discussion about caregiving. It's great to have you, and welcome to the Middle Age Warriors. I was joking with Chris before, Suzanne that we're kind of related because we have the same last name, Warriors. (laughs) We are warriors in an amazing, amazing world. What makes us so resilient? I wish I knew the answer to that because... (laughs) Hey, who's resilient? um, (laughs) I think we're built that way, maybe, right? Now, you know, we did a little intro about the topic we're talking about and about what, you know, the, the project you're involved in, what you're all about. It's called caregiverwarriors.com, by the way, if folks are interested, and we'll yeah. talk about that as we go through the show. But what was your life situation that got you in the position to be a caregiver in the first place? Well, I didn't actually think I was going to sign up for it, um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. one does <laughs> because because we are born. I think caregivers are born hardwired to caregive. Um, my parents, you know, my parents were, uh, as a team, sort of hiding uh, my mom's early stage dementia. And my dad had some heart issues. And, you know, my dad was a World War II bombardier pilot hero. Oh, my goodness. So he was a, yeah. yeah so he he's was a tough a, guy. Tough, tough guy. Well, you know, and didn't come off as a tough guy, but really self-assured and strong and, you know, anything can happen and very positive. And so um, we were, we always flew my parents down to my sister's to Florida for the holidays. And one particular Christmas, my sister called and said they just took dad off the airplane in a wheelchair. <laughs> And I was like, what? So what had happened was that he he was experiencing caregiver burnout. They He was taking care of my mom, not telling us. They weren't telling us. He had some heart issues and he was exhausted. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, and then as he was recuperating, you know, over the holidays, my we saw that my mom was very forgetful and, and confused and lost without him, kind of panic. So I basically said to my dad, hey, Pop, do you want help? <laughs> And he said yes so fast. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh. And there it was. And then I was off and running. So I became their caregiver for almost five years. But you were living in different places, right? Yes. Yes. I was what's called, uh, for most of the time, I was called a long-distance caregiver. I would work full-time during the week, and then I would go. I would drive. I was in New York, and they were in South Jersey. And so I would get on the Jersey Turnpike. Oh, my God. Spend, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, down to exit four. Or, and spend, um, you know, the weekends catching up and or three days and then go back to work and then do it long distance again. So, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. So that was your first foray into dealing with it. And, you know, Rick and I will get into our own personal experiences. And I think not to even necessarily put, you know, male-female ability as a caregiver, making that the biggest issue. But first things first, in moving forward, I think women, first of all, are just innately, if I may say, 
for the most part, I think they're innately better at it. There's just this, this thing that happens naturally. They jump into it. Whereas guys, we tend to sort of have to think about, oh, so what do I have to do now? Yeah. And well, let me make this list in my head and start compartmentalizing how we're going to get it done. And I found personally for me, I removed almost all of my emotion and became very mechanical and looked at it as a job to get things done. And I lost some of the emotional edge. Some of it, I think I was doing to protect myself. But how did, how did you deal with that? Oh, well, that, and that's a, that's a very big conversation, I think. But I, I think that, because I, I think, I, I, first of all, I think the people who are caregivers are hardwired. I think they're type, I think we're type A, control freak, take <laughs> care of everything and everybody, people, male or female. I think, as in, I think guys go, I, uh, I think guys go about business a little differently than we do. But I think the thing that I find interesting about what you were saying is I did the same thing. I, you know, I'm type A, I was in corporate America, you know, I was like, okay, what do we have to get done? A, B, C, D, I want to do this. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I, I, which I, which I think is very dangerous. And I think we all have different things we do to survive it, which is kind of my whole thing. Like my whole thing is this is what I did to survive. So if I share my experience, strength, and hope with you, then maybe you'll find something that'll help you. But I mean, I think that we're all similar, male or female, in that we just do what we have to do to get it done, and we hang in there. Mm. So I mean, like you never hear caregivers say like, oh, I'm, I'm over, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I, I think what I did to protect myself was I just, I thought I was going to do it all perfectly. I thought I was going to do it all at once, and I was going to mm. fix them and everything. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because... You know, when I went to graduate school for social work, the first thing they teach you is you, you cannot fix people. You, you can listen, you can be there, you can be empathic, you can be sympathetic, you can just show up, but you cannot necessarily fix the situation. And that's very frustrating. It is, it is frustrating. And, and I, listen, I have a, I have a BA in psychology and I'm in a 12 step program. So I know I'm not supposed to fix anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't, you know, what happens here doesn't, ha you know, any, like it, it just, that's how I survived the, just the beginning stages. I was going to make it all okay. And I was going to do it perfectly. And I was going to do it alone. Well, and, and I think that one of the tougher challenges, and again, there are different levels of caregiving, there are different types of caregiving. But let's at this point discuss taking care of, let's say, an elderly, dying parent or, or spouse or partner. And the mindset going in, this is what I was always challenged with in my own head. If the end game is death is the end, how, how do you... How do you get inspired to keep doing what you're doing? This isn't like the end game is a, a place like we just talked about where you can fix it and change it and make it better. Where did you put yourself emotionally when you were doing this caregiving that you still felt somehow maybe on a day-to-day -day basis rewarded for what you were doing? Well, I, I think that to be very honest about it, I think that I thought I could fix it. I think a lot of mm. us unconsciously Mm -hmm. slip into a sort of an unreal place in our hearts that we're going to make this okay. Um, I think that happened for me. And then I think that what you're talking about is basically pre-grief. Mm. I mean, you know, a lot of caregivers, one of the reasons I believe we could get so depressed or sad or um, discouraged is that we get this pre-grief. It's like exactly what you're saying. Like, why, you know, why is this happening 
oh, I can't control this. This is going to end really badly. Oh my God, I'm going to lose them. It doesn't stop us from caring for the people. It just right. makes us more miserable inside, you know? Yeah. You know, and I've talked to that, you know, I've talked to people about this, this whole balance thing of like, you know, don't be, you know, make sure that you live in the present as much as you can because they're not going to be here that long, you know, and, you know, and, and stop worrying about the future or the past. If you have trauma, you know, especially if you're taking care of parents and you have old baggage, you know, it's a big soup you're in. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think all these, it's like whack the weasel, all these emotions, these big feelings come up. And I think the best thing to do is to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. You brought a, a great term to the table, which I'm glad you did. And that is baggage. Where <laughs> We don't charge you for carrying the baggage on the plane. Uh, you get to carry one bag free. But how do you deal with that baggage that may date back 20, 30, 50 years in your yeah. life when your parents were raising you and uh, they were the caregivers, yet you still have manifested whatever feelings you have, resentments, angers. How are you aware of that in going through the process of being a caregiver? Hey, we want to give a second to talk about a new sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, Find the exact shoe you're looking for, because we know you're a sneaker fan. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been looking for. Yeah, with eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. Love a good authenticator. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators, they verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. Yeah, actually, it's pretty cool. For sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Oh, everybody's ears perked up when they heard free. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. That's ebay.com sneakers today. eBay. The world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. See you later, authenticator. <laughs> you know, I always, I always say that, you know, you most of us have baggage that we bring to taking care of family members or and even professionals who care for people who remind them of their of their family members. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you better leave the baggage at the door or you better <laughs> unpack it if you take it inside you know and and for me i did not get along with my mom at all and if you told me i was going to be her caregiver i would have told you you were absolutely crazy and the greatest gift i was given by whatever you believe in was the fact that i had to take care of her and i had to fix me Mm. i had to become self-aware she wasn't going to change she had dementia you know i had to change so it was the journey i went on and watching and digging around and looking in the mirror and going, oh man, what's going on here? You know, why, why am I shaking when I'm doing the checkbook? Cause I'm afraid yeah. she's going to come running at me and scream at me. And I'm six. It took a lot of work, it took a lot of work, but I was, what was it? I had, I was miserable. So I'm freaking out and frightened and, and, you know, on top of all the general stuff that I go through. So I had to really work on it and I had to be really self-aware and say, where was this baggage coming from and what can I do about it now? Yeah, we were talking about that uh, in the pre-show about sometimes these situations 
can lead to some degree of reconciliation, either within yourself or within you and the, and the person you're taking care of. Sometimes, though, things do get brought up from the past. There, there's another side of this, and it's it's the person you're taking care of. They go through often enough. I mean, in a case of dementia, that's one set of circumstances. It could be somebody, you know, in my case, it was somebody dying of, you know, of cancer. And that's a process. And they're dealing with that process while you're trying to take care of them. And there's pushback and they're angry and they don't know who to be angry at. And then, you know, you lose patience and then you get angry at yourself for losing patience. What am I even thinking? Right. You know, it's such a twisted emotional period in your life. Any tools, any advice, Suzanne, that you could give to people who are dealing with it or going to deal with it soon? Well, you know, just off the bat, just stop beating yourself up. Just stop. Give yourself a break. Stop beating yourself up. First of all, you showed up. (laughs) That's the bottom line. You showed up. You you know, you showed up. Okay. And that's like, you know, a gazillion times more than most people. You know, there's there's one child in the family that shows up. Hmm. Always. I think. That's an an interesting note because you didn't sign up for it, but you know, in a family of uh, four kids, there's always one that's going to end up carrying the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? You're carrying the ball. So that's A. B, you know, you have to be, you, you have to be empathetic, not only for the parent, because the parent's freaking out. I mean, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I had to constantly remind myself that, especially, and my, my dad was so gracious about me taking care of him. I mean, he was so gracious about it but he still he would get he would get like you know because he was this independent war hero that was such do you know what i mean i mean i had to really remind myself that you know they're testy or they're snarky because their life is slipping away and they're Mm -hmm. scared crapless and they're mad about it you know you think you're mad that you've lost your life and you've got to do all this and they're giving you a hard time try to be empathetic that was the one thing I, i i tried to do and the second thing was when I did lose it. And there were times that I really had to learn from it. I mean, you know, I mean, my mom, would, my mom would just, she was so tough to take care of. I just had to do the best I could. And sometimes it wasn't pretty. Was she tough and and she made it tougher on you? Oh my God. Oh my God. In the, in the beginning, as she, as she declined uh, and I got better as I changed, I got better and took it less personally. She, the whole relationship got better. Do you know what I mean? But it, I had to stop beating myself up because yeah, I, it was, it wasn't pretty and I wasn't perfect. And, but I was a good girl. I was showing up. We were showing up. We are showing up. Right. We're good people. We're doing the best we can. Sometimes it's not pretty, but you know what? Let it go. You're doing the best you can. Let it go. Show up. So how did you deal and, and did you have to deal with, I know I did uh, the, you know, the outsiders looking in passing judgment on your caregiving and how you're going about doing it. You know, I, I like to call some of these people drive-by caregivers, you know, they, yeah. they, they come for an hour. Oh, I was there, you know, but you're yeah. there every day yeah. dealing with this. <laughs> drive-by, I love Bye, that. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. Yeah, yeah you know. It, you it, know, it, I can't really... worry about it, you know, no. like what, what they think of me is none of my business. That's my favorite quote, you know, it's like, like you know. But it, no, that, that's but, fair enough. But you know, I remember, I remember scenarios, and you know, there was a, in my wife's case, we had I had gotten tickets to see U two like a year in advance. Then of course she took a turn, and she's in the hospital. And this one, you know, Friday night, I went with another friend. To, it was her ticket, but she said, "No, go, go." 
Then of course somebody visits the hospital and they say, "Well, where's Chris? Oh, he's at he's at the U two concert." And it's like, "Oh yeah, he's having a grand old time yeah. while his wife is dying." Oh, yeah, that's the picture. Oh, and- that's, oh Chris, that's awful. <laughs> I know. That's, that's like like a cosmic joke. You know what I mean? No, and, and that's how it would go. And, and yes, sometimes I-, I would get angry at her then because I said, "Well, what did you then say? Didn't you say, well, he's been here all? You know, I, I told him to go. You know, and in her confusion, sometimes I don't think." She cleared the picture, but you know what? She was the victim of all of this, as far as I, you know, at 52 yes. years old, you shouldn't be leaving yet. Right. And yes. so I couldn't, I would get frustrated sometimes with how she would share information right. or not share information. Right, right. But, you know, and, and that was, that was part, that's, that was part of the challenge. Well, and I, I, but it's a priority, you know, like, and that, that my whole niche is basically what, what is the caregiver's state of mind? Okay. So, um, the state of mind, you, you you have to prioritize doing things for yourself because you're going to get burnout, you're going to get crazy, you're going to be guilty, you're going to be angry, you're going to be depressed. So it's a priority. You have you had to go to that concert. That, like you deserve that concert. She wanted you to go to that concert. And and you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It, it never matters what anybody else thinks. Let, let um, me, in, no, no, I but let me ask you this because I'm just a life in general, you know, but I mean sure. in this particular yeah, there's a lot of drive-by people. And sadly, it's because they're guilty, because they're not showing up. Um, you know, they have issues. That's their baggage, you know, because surely they can see that, you know, how much you lo- loved her and how much I loved my parents. And I was doing I was turning myself inside out. Right. You know, if I, if I took a ride, if I rode horses on Sunday morning, which is what I did, I rode horses on Sunday morning. That's it. You know, and, I, and I, that gave me quite joy. And every time I came back, my dad said, how was it? You know what I mean? That's all I needed. <laughs> yeah, know? that's kind of cool. But let me ask you this. Did anybody during that that process, those years of being a caregiver, did they ever ask you, how are you doing? How are you? Yeah. yeah. Of course not. No, that's because, not true. But <laughs> no. But no I, look, I, you know, I hit, I had a, I had a care, I had a burnout moment where I literally was shaking in the bed. Like I woke up and I was shaking. I just, I, I just knew it. My parents were both going to die and it was going to be my fault. I mean, it was just awful. Oh. And I, I called another caregiver that I knew. Um, and she pulled me right out. She said, get out of the house, get out. They're okay. You know, get in the mm-hmm. turnpike, just come home. And I was like, what? So I, 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 that was a blessing for me because it taught me. And she was right, by the way, <clears throat> it all worked out. And the minute I was on the, mm-hmm. Jersey Turnpike, I was like, wow, I feel different. And so the bottom line of it was I learned early that by reaching out with and having a team and having support and having caregivers or support group or therapy, social workers, you know, that that really helped me because mm-hmm. I got validated. And I had people saying to me, yeah, of course you're burnt out. Of course yeah. you're exhausted. This yeah. is an exhaustive, intense situation and, and you need to take care of yourself. So that's the biggest thing I can tell other caregivers to do is to reach out and get support because yeah. it's out there. I know. I think that that's important. It's the old adage that misery loves company. <laughs> well, and you know, but, but not only that, it doesn't necessarily have to come from another caregiver per se. I right. think people should understand if, you know, you know, who's a caregiver yeah, and let them know and, and that you care about them too and, and ask them how they're doing. I remember that when it f- finally hit after months of in and out of the hospital it was another time in the hospital and I was leaning up against the wall and at this point I was still working early mornings and then I go to the hospital twice a day and night and blah 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 and my wife had gone into the into the bathroom in the in the room and the nurse was standing there and she looked at me and she said how are you doing Mr. Semino 
And I started to cry because I had never, I hadn't heard those words. And I realized nobody had ever actually asked me that in this whole mess. And See, so it's you know, important. Let me ask you a question about that, Chris, because this is interesting, because not because you just put me off into an area that's going to help me. Is that a guy thing? In other words, do, do men have a harder time asking for help than women do? I don't want to generalize, but one of the boards that we built this show on was years ago, Chris and I would sit and talk about this very stuff. And we're both, I would like to say, evolved men who are good with sharing emotion, whereas a lot of guys will only cry when their team gets eliminated from the playoffs, <laughs> you know, and, and the season ends. So I don't want to generalize and paint the canvas with that statement, but that's kind of how I feel. And I think it's social and I think it's kind of the way we're, we're trained. And I'm curious to know how your dad did in taking care of your mom. And here was this big, uh, you know, veteran of war, who's a theoretically a tough guy, you know, and then he was basically the lone caretaker for your mom when she was going through her early stages of dementia. How did he um, do? He did an extraordinary job. And I'm getting a little emotional here. Um, Sorry. The thing about my, the, no, no, it's great. No, it's all good. The thing about my dad, my dad survived by um, having a glass half full all the time. I mean, this guy flew over D-Day four times and he was 22. Wow. <laughs> you know Crazy. what I mean? But he wasn't like, you know, he was like, you know, he, he was an art, he was creative. He was an artist. He, um, uh, you know, he could do zingers. He could be a little sarcastic, <laughs> but I mean, he, he was pretty good and pretty gracious with his emotions. So I think he's kind of, I think that the reason this whole conversation is so great, I think, is because, you know, I, I want to talk about this because I, I want to help. I want to help whoever needs help emotionally. And I think that my my dad, my dad survived by sort of ignoring everything <laughs> and being really positive about it. Um, and everything was going to be OK. And he, and he stayed in his and he stayed in. He was not a future guy. He was a present guy. So I think in general, I think that kind of helps. Um, but I think the bad thing is not asking for help. I think, and, and whoever does it, male or female, I think it's a caregiver tendency on top of sometimes perhaps being taught that men don't ask you know, for help more. Um, whatever the issue is, we need to address that because caregivers can really it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can, and if they, if we get sick, who takes right. care of them? I right. mean, stress kills. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, if, if you were on that level, do you know what I mean? Like if you were up here emotionally and so burnt out that just someone's kindness from a stranger opened you up like that, yeah. you know, I, I want, yeah. you know, I wish we could take the reel back and I could say, hi, I'm here. You're okay. You know what I mean? Like, how do we open up that conversation? How do we get people to understand they need to ask for help? They cannot do it alone. We are not built to handle things alone. We're social create. It's it's the we're not built that way. So why do we persist? And and I don't know the answer to it. I just know I have to bang at home that you've got to ask for help. Yeah, I think the and, and the other thing that you pointed out the the one when you're in that position really you can only take one day. You really have to stay present one day at a time. It's all the cliches, but they are so effective and so true because when you start fast forwarding the film, 
and want to see what you think is going to, you, you're done. You've, you've totally screwed yourself at that point. And now nobody wins, the person you're taking care of or yourself at that, mm-hmm. at that point. So I think staying present is really important. Give us a little background, you know, before we wrap up today. So you have a website, it's caregiverwarriors.com. It's Caregiver Warrior. Uh, singular yeah okay, um because i think i think you leave no, the last tests off for savings <laughs> yeah. so i i yes i started a blog i started writing i i have a book that's hopefully i'll finish soon the pandemic was has not been kind to me with getting the book done but i have a book coming out <laughs> i i started the whole thing um because so many caregivers or people that i knew said to me oh my god they don't tell you about this what is what they'll yeah. tell you this and i was like well somebody's got to tell you so, and I, and I really, I'm telling you, it changed my life in a lot of different ways. And most importantly about my relationship with my parents, especially my mom. So I, I, you know, it's like, and Chris said something, you know, it's like, it was a gift for me. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but it was an extraordinary gift for me. So I wanted to share my experience, strength and hope with other people so that I could help them help themselves. And it just grew, you know, and then social media came, you know, so I just sort of, um, I just, I'm passionate about it. I want to help people help themselves. I want, I don't want people, I want people reaching out and getting help because it's, you're going to show up, you're going to do it. You're not going to quit, but you know, you could, you could die in the middle of it if you're not careful. So what kind of, so if folks go to that website who are in need of some help, even just some, some tools to work with and utilize as they take on being caregivers. Is, is that the place to go? Do you have other uh, organizations yes. that you can point people to? Or I do. I have a resource pages. Cause you know, my, my thing, again, my niche is, is the, the frame, the frame of mind the caregivers are in, but I do have other resources. You know, there's wonderful people on there. It's on my resource page, you know, caregiver happy. And there's so many of them that can help them with everything from Medicaid to um, you know, what happens in rehab after a hospital stay. You know, that's not my particular thing. My particular thing is, do you have baggage? <laughs> you know, are you, are you mad at your mom? Because let's yeah. talk about that. So, you know, yeah. here's what happened for me when my mom would scream at me. It's it's my personal experience and how I, I got. You are um, a great friend, a great role model, and a wonderful um, warrior. Warrior. Another warrior. Yes, another warrior to the family. And Suzanne White, we are so appreciative of the time you carved out for us and giving us a little bit of your care and your guidance and your insight. Oh, thank you guys so much. And you know, I I love you too. And you're you're the best. And you know, what's great for me is I'm now, you've given me some new perspective. So there'll probably be a new blog around the things we talked about. So, you know, I mean, this is great. And this is a great conversation. It is. Um, It's a necessary conversation. Yeah. And thank you for for letting, for for having it with me, because it it really means a lot. And it means a lot to a lot of people out there. Yeah, absolutely. We hope so. So, yeah, thanks for shining light on this. It's a tough subject for some people to sink their teeth into, but I think the conversation has to be opened and we have to be comfortable collectively all talking about it because it's the reality well thank you for getting out there and clearing the field you stay well we'll see you soon okay best bye guys okay well that was enlightening yeah you know that's a tough subject but for some reason her her overall persona her energy her cadence to all of it uh wasn't as heavy as i thought it was going to be despite it being a really heavy topic yeah that's uh, suzanne is really one of those uh glass half 
uh, half old people. Yeah, I mean, she's a lot of experience with caregiving, mm-hmm. and a lot of us middle-aged warriors, and then some are going to be dealing with that if they haven't already. And I think she had some, you know, some good advice. And it's just everybody's story is going to be different too. It is. It's you know, as I typically say, one size does not fit all. Right. In a situation like that, so I hope it helps some people though, and you know, an opportunity to maybe even just feel better about themselves and how they're handling it. Because I think that it was always a very heavy thing. The, the self judgment you put, you know, upon you right. when you're a caregiver. Yeah, and you basically uh, kind of have to take your hands off the the handlebar. And, and put let your it hands ride a little bit. And let it ride because sometimes that's really all you can do. It's like a lot of things in life. But uh, again, hope it was helpful. I'm going to head on out of here right now. I think that's a wrap, my friend. Get out of here. Oh, sure. You're out of here. You're out of here, kid. All right, sunshine always, guys. Stay safe, stay well, and we're going to see you next time. He's Chris. I'm Rick. Be good, feel good. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. Hey, thanks for joining us again on Middle Age Warriors here on the Believe Podcast Network. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Five stars would be really, really nice. Not that I'm trying to influence you or anything. Also, you can find us on Google Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. Middle Age Warriors, your mileage may vary. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.